Hey there, we're Christina and Brianne. And one of our greatest passions is enabling female athletes to uncover their greatness, allowing them to break free from their limitations and achieve their biggest dreams. As expert coaches and confidence and mindset educators, we created the Elite Competitor to enable moms and coaches to build lifelong confidence, resilience, and elite performance. Think of this as your weekly dose of inspiration, where you'll feel enabled with proven strategies, real life stories, and transformative lessons. Welcome to the Elite Competitor Podcast. Hello, hello. Special thanks to the Elite Competitor Society and the community for insight on this topic for today, all about confidence killers in female athletes. So I did a little poll and asked our community, what are the biggest confidence killers in your athlete? So what do you see happening most when she's struggling on the court or the field or in the pool or on the mound? wherever she is. And what do you think is the reason behind that? And got a lot of answers, got a lot of responses. There were definitely some clear winners and definitely noticed the the top three happening in my sports career. I see all three of these happening as I have been a head volleyball coach for the past 10 years, as I've been a positive performance mindset coach as well. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree with what everyone wrote. So we're going to dive into what the top three are, and I'm going to give you some high-level strategies on um, how you can help your daughter, what she can do to kind of help with these. Each of these deserve their own training. These have come up as hot topics over and over in the group. All right, so let's do it. Today, we are talking about avoiding confidence killers in female athletes. So these things that cut our athletes' confidence and leave them feeling maybe discouraged, confused, full of self-doubt, whatever it is. These are usually the three things that lead to them. All right, number one, here we go. Confidence killer number one is unrealistic expectations. And I see, I, I do honestly see this one the most. So I'm not surprised that it came up as, you know, the most common one. So this is athletes either putting unrealistic expectations on themselves And expecting them to be perfect, this usually stems from uh, perfectionistic tendencies or athletes that struggle with perfectionism, which, by the way, most female athletes do. It's more when I think of perfectionism, I think of it as like a continuum. It's not either like you have it or you don't. It's how much perfectionism is going on in your career. How much is it affecting you? Right. So athletes usually fall on some sort of spectrum on that um, perfectionism continuum. So usually those uh, athletes that are putting those unrealistic expectations on themselves, it's, it's closely tied to perfectionism. All right. So they could be putting expectations on themselves, but this also can come from external things that are going on. They can maybe feel expectations from coaches, from parents, from teammates, real or imagined. Okay. So this could be like literally their coaches telling them something and expecting them to do something that they don't feel like they can do. Or it's something that they're putting on themselves and they think that their coach wants them to do this thing or they are worried about disappointing their parents or their teammates. So again, this is common, especially with high level athletes. And it's great to have healthy expectations for ourselves. I think you are not going to find a high level athlete who doesn't have high goals for herself, right? That's, That's just how it goes. The problem is when we confuse healthy striving with perfectionism. So Brene Brown does a lot of work in this area. I've read a lot of her research about the difference between perfectionism and healthy striving. And I think it absolutely applies to our athletes. So 
sometimes our athletes confuse having high standards with I must do everything perfectly um, and all or nothing thinking like if I don't perform perfectly or I don't get a certain amount of points or I don't do this or that, then I'm a failure or I don't even want to try because if I do try, I might fail. All right. If they're working to perfection and having these unrealistic standards for themselves, they will always, always, always come up short. And it is kind of a self-defeating way to move through the world. It's a self-defeating way to move through their sport. All right. And it actually takes away from success and it actually takes away from improving because at its core, perfectionism is just a shield. It is covering up what athletes are most afraid of. And that is failure and wondering what people are going to think of them if they fail. Right. So that's kind of at, it, at its core, you know, perfectionism is just a, a shield. Athletes put it up to try and protect themselves against failure and, and what people might think. All right. Healthy striving, on the other hand, is all about the process. It's about continuous improvement. It's about that growth mindset. I know that's a buzzword, but that's really what it is. It's all focusing on the process of improving rather than the outcome. So it's putting less of an emphasis on the scoreboard, on the stats, on the performance and tying that to their self-worth and more about the process of improving and getting in that direction of, of where they want to go. So in order to avoid this, what I have athletes do is, you know, first of all, we've got to make that shift. Okay. Realizing that not everything has to be perfect. And in fact, it actually takes away from our goals because if we're trying to be perfect. We're probably not risking as much and we're not trying as hard because we don't want to make mistakes, but we know that mistakes are what lead to growth. So if we're not making mistakes, we're not growing. All right. So we have to make mistakes. <laughs> so perfectionism really gets in the way of actually improving. All right. So what I have athletes do, this is kind of a tangible thing that um, you can take away from this is write down all the expectations that expectations that they think they have about their performance or about themselves. doesn't matter where they came from. Just make a list. All right. Just think of it like a brain dump, write out all of those expectations and just look at them as they are. Right. Step two is to cross off the ones that don't matter. So maybe there's some expectations on there that are like, yeah, I, this expectation is something that I'm holding on to, but I have no idea where it came from. And I honestly don't even care about it. I wish it was gone. Okay. So they're just going to cross that out. The ones that are left, those are the ones that maybe they care more about and they want to be working towards. And maybe these are goals that they have. Maybe it is a stat oriented goal. Maybe it is an expectation that they have to play in college. Those things aren't bad, but what we want to do, circle their top three that they want to keep and they want to focus on, okay? From there, we're going to turn those three into process-oriented goals, all right? So what they wrote down was probably an outcome-oriented goal. So if it was, I'm expected to play in college or I need to get 20 points a game or I don't want to make a mistake, all right? Those are all outcomes and those aren't necessarily bad, but when we focus on outcomes, our confidence is all over the place. So with each of those, athletes are going to identify a process-oriented goal. So when I say process, if the goal is to score 20 points a game, right, they're not going to focus on the points. They're going to focus on one thing that will lead to that outcome. All right, if we're talking volleyball, that would be I'm going to get available for every set or I'm going to swing at every ball of the height of the net. So those are the process things that are in their control. The outcome, believe it or not, is not in their control 100%. Scoring 20 points a game is like, it, it, there's so many other factors in that. There's the refs, there's the other team, 
There's um, other players on the court. There's like so many other things that are out of an athlete's control. So if they're saying I need to score 20 points a game, like that may or may not happen. Okay. So we have to think about the process that will get them to that. And we also don't want to put limits on ourselves. What if they're capable of scoring 30 points a game? So for each of those outcome um, expectations, we're going to turn that into a process goal and just pick one thing. And then after that, what I have athletes do is as they're evaluating their performance, they're going to critique, not criticize. Okay. So if they're like analyzing their game, they're doing a post-performance routine and they're looking at kind of how they did what they did well, what they want to improve on, you know, we're going to avoid judgments. So we're avoiding things like I had a horrible game. I don't even want to go to practice tomorrow. You know, I am a terrible server. I'm terrible defender, you know, all like all that's just judgment and we can't really improve from there. But if we're sticking to facts, like I missed three serves. Okay. Or I missed three baskets. Hey, there we can be like, all right, okay, we missed, we missed three. Why do we think that is? What can we work on during practice to get better at that? All right. So critique, not criticize performance. So that's our first one is unrealistic expectations. I know that there was kind of a lot to that, but hopefully, hopefully that's helpful. All right. Confidence color number two, inability to come back from mistakes. And this is enormous. Okay. We are, we kind of touched on mistakes with the last one. So mistakes we know are necessary to learning and they're necessary to improving. However, sometimes we think that mistakes are bad and especially athletes when they're failing on big stages where they have parents watching and teammates and coaches and it takes a lot of vulnerability to fail on a big stage like that and to make mistakes over and over and then be told, well, and you have to be okay with it, <laughs> right? It is hard. So we, we want to acknowledge that, but mistakes are, are something that we need to make sure that athletes realize are part of the process. They're absolutely, absolutely necessary. And what we do with that mistake is what matters, all right? It's not like whether or not you're going to make a mistake. It's what are you going to learn from it? And the more mistakes you make, the more learning will happen, all right? So the first strategy that I want athletes to really understand is just a mindset shift from mistakes are bad to mistakes are necessary. Mistakes are feedback. Mistakes are something that do not define define my self-worth, but as something that will actually make me a better player. Okay, or a better competitor. So that is just a key mindset shift. Athletes need to just understand that and um, embrace that so that they don't see mistakes as something that's debilitating. The other thing about it is having a failure recovery system. So athletes need to be practicing what we call a failure recovery system. We call it a mistake ritual in our programs. And what this does is it helps athletes when they are in the moment and in the game and maybe they've made a big mistake, or maybe they're just rattled a little bit, you know, they have a strategy that can help them bounce back. And our mistake ritual that we teach is a combination of a breath. So it's an intentional breath, like an inhale, kind of like a pause at the top. At the top of that inhale is a reset word. And then on the exhale, athletes do a gesture that is unique to them. So whether that's like snapping their fingers doing like a dust off motion, putting their thumb and middle finger together, like something very quick that they can do because the next play is happening. All right. So having a mistake ritual, something that they can count on to bounce back from a mistake in a game, like when it's actually happening is really, really important. So developing that um, again is key. It's a game changer because athletes then can go out and play confidently and go out and take risks because they know if they fail, they have a recovery system that will help them get back mentally in the game. All right. So that is number two, inability to come back from mistakes. So in order to avoid that, we need to first make sure we have that mindset shift of mistakes 
from mistakes are bad to mistakes are necessary. And then also to have a failure recovery system. The one that we teach is the mistake ritual. And that's a breath, a reset word, and a gesture that they can do in a game. Okay. All right. Our last one is a very hot topic. All right. Confidence killer number three is toxic coaches or teammates. So this one is pretty multifaceted. And so I'm going to address what I see most in terms of toxic. I think everybody has a kind of a different definition of what toxic means. And I'm going to speak to it from the perspective of like negative coaching and negative teammates. I think it's a completely different situation if we're talking about situations of abuse or if your athlete is in an environment where she's being bullied or verbally abused, abused, physically abused, like those types of toxic situations, absolutely parent, you need to intervene and you need to get your daughter out of that situation, right? Like no questions about it. Um, That's not what we're talking about though. We're talking about, you know, maybe coaches that are just more on the negative side and maybe they, they're not, they don't recognize the, the positive as much, you know, maybe they're, they call out mistakes more than other coaches. And, and that can be really hard on an athlete, especially if they feel like they're being singled out or if they feel like their um, mistakes are always on display, if they feel like they can't do anything. So if players do feel like they're in an environment where they have like a, a coach that is cutting their confidence and they feel like they can't do anything right, they feel like it's always negative. The first thing I want you to, to do is trying to figure out what order these would be best in. I think the first thing is helping your athlete realize that what what her coach does is not in her control, all right? What is in her control is her attitude, her effort, and her ability to show up every day and get better regardless of what the situation or the conditions are, all right? And so I always come back to that with athletes. We tend to focus on things that are external and out of our control, and we like to kind of like really fixate on that. And when it comes down to it, her coach is and how her coach coaches is out of her control. All right. And you're going to have coaches, your athletes are going to have coaches in their career that they really connect with and really like this coach gets me and I love this coaching style. And your daughter is going to have coaches that she doesn't connect with and she doesn't feel like coach her the way that she wants to be coached. But that's life. And we have to learn how to handle both and thrive in both situations. So I have athletes identify what's in my control and what's out of my control in this situation. The way that your coach coaches is probably out of your control. Like you might be able to influence it in some certain ways, but for the most part, your coach is, is coaching how he or she probably was coached before, depending on their level of experience. You know, you get what you get for that season. All right. And what is in your athlete's control is her attitude, her effort, and her ability to play her hardest and to learn despite what's going on. Okay. So just kind of shifting the focus to like what's in my control. And that's why it's really important that athletes have these mental skills themselves and they have ways to build their own confidence and they have ways to evaluate their own performance because if they are putting all that power on their coach, their confidence again is going to be all over the place. And I've said this a few times, but you know, that's what, that's why I do what I do. That's why Christina and I do what we do. That's why we are so passionate about building mental skills and confidence in female athletes because we want them to have those skills on their own. We don't want them to be relying on a coach or some external thing to like determine how confident they should be. All right. I absolutely know how influential coaches are in an athlete's development. I am a coach myself, but we also have to know we're not always going to get the best coaches all the time. And so we've got to also have skills and our daughters have to have skills themselves 
to be able to evaluate the performance, build their own confidence, all of those things. The other thing that I think is super helpful, I think it's really important that we encourage our daughters to advocate for themselves and speak up when they need something. And, you know, if they're not getting what they need from their, their coach. And I think this can be done in a variety of ways. Obviously, you know, schedule, schedule a time with the coach and just say, Hey, I'd like to chat for about, you know, 15 minutes. Do you have some time where I'm interested in some feedback? And I would like to, to talk to you about whatever the, the thing is. Okay. And your coach will tell your athlete like what a good time is. And then your athlete should come prepared with a few points and with some questions and, you know, just be very detailed about what she's experiencing and, you know, what she would like to see, give the coach maybe some insight on, on what's going on on her and allow the coach just to, to talk and to, to build that relationship. And a lot of times when there's some coach player not seeing eye to eye, a lot of times it's because of miscommunication or lack of communication. So just bridging that and allowing an opportunity for the coach to talk to your athlete, I think is important. So I encourage your daughter to advocate in that for herself in that way. And then just know that some coaches, they don't coach as positively as others and take what the coach is saying, the the coaching part and let go of how he or she is saying it. Some coaches coach with a negative tone. Some coaches just are wired to point out the negative. All right. That's why you know, take what he or she is saying to you, like, okay, I need to get my feet to the ball. All right. And however they said it, let it go. As far as teammates go, yeah, this one can be tough too, because we all know, you know, there can be, there's a lot of interpersonal relationships and people are different on every team. And the one thing I would highly recommend as far as teammate things is get to know your teammates. And when we know our teammates on a personal level and we take the time to get to know them off the court, things dramatically improve. And I know that can be hard sometimes. And I know that not everybody gets along. I'm not saying everybody needs to be friends off the court, but once you know somebody's story, you know, a little bit more about them, it really changes the dynamic on the court. And, you know, sometimes that needs to be kind of directed by the coach, but I think if athletes can can take that on themselves as well and get to know their teammates on a personal level, those are what makes the best leaders. And again, once we know more about people, all of a sudden we have a little bit more empathy for them. I'm talking like both ways. And that's when those, those toxic situations tend to kind of diffuse. Now, if it's really toxic and we've got mean girls, sometimes the opposite needs to happen. (laughs) Your athlete might just need to separate herself from that, find the people on her team that are positive and are, you know, on the same level as her and really just cultivate those relationships. If it's really bad and there's bullying involved, like, yeah, that's where you need to, you know, step in and talk to the coach, talk to administration and all of that. But if we're talking some teammate drama, I would definitely recommend getting to know your teammates better, hanging on to the people on your team that you really are connected with and cultivating those relationships. And then taking everything like with a grain of salt, whatever they say, or whatever they do, it's like, you know, I'm going to keep focusing on me and my improvement. And it doesn't really matter what, what they're doing. So there you have it. Those are the three confidence killers in female athletes. We have unrealistic expectations, inability to come back from mistakes and toxic coaches or teammates. So I gave you just some nuggets of information for each of those on how we can help avoid them. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. Chat soon. Thanks so much for listening, moms. Now, don't forget to head over to trainhergame.com to check out that free training for sports mom. This is the training where we break down exactly what you can say and do to help your daughter come back from those mistakes, release the pressure, flip her negative mindset so that she can stop being overly critical of herself and play to her potential. 
Let's ditch this not knowing what to say dilemma for good and start getting your daughter to believe in herself as much as you do. Now that's at trainhergame.com. Go ahead and go there to choose your date and time and I'll see you there.